Welcome to the latest podcast of Senator Youth Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, and I'll soon be joined by uh, Lucas Ugenti and Anthony Sino, where we'll be discussing all the trade possibilities and rumors that have come uh, since the Maple Leafs' premature exit in this year's playoffs, as well as much, much more. Today's Center Reefs Nation podcast was brought to you by Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the promo code capital C, capital L, Nation, and to receive 20% off plus free delivery on all their products. Welcome to the latest podcast of Serenity Nation. I have my two co-hosts, Anthony Sino and Lucas Ugenti. Welcome, gentlemen. It's been a while since we've had these roundtables. How have you guys been? I'm doing pretty good, Pat. Thanks. Um, uh, it's just good to be back talking with you guys. Um, trying to keep up with everything, really. Uh, lots of sports going on, not just hockey now. So I'm loving it. How about you, Luke? Yeah, I'm just basking in all these sports, to be honest with you. It seems like every night there's just something going on. And, and to be honest with you, now that nothing's going on in our lives, it, it just seems <laughs> a lot easier to just stay home, grab a beer, and just watch hockey all night. No, most definitely. I, I saw um, a graphic today. that Today will be the first time that every major sport will have been played on the same day. Yes, actually, actually you're right. That's actually Now that you think about that, that's a good point now. Because yeah. usually there would never be hockey on at this time. No, be hockey on. And, or basketball, for that matter. Or basketball, yeah, because they'd be yeah. still ramping up. They wouldn't have even started training camp yet, I don't think. Hockey, anyways. Yeah, hockey would have just been starting up now yeah, in, a, in, a, in another universe where COVID didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Almost feels like Thanos needs to flick his fingers and get us back to where we were. <laughs> if only. Good Marvel reference. You know what? There, every podcast deserves a really good Marvel reference. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, so you know what? As you know, the Leafs you know ended their season prematurely in the playing round, but immediately after, there was a, a you know a decent sized trade announced. Um, you know, out is Kasperi Kapanen, into the Leafs organization is some cap space, the top fifteen pick in this upcoming draft, uh, as well as a prospect. Um, what were your thoughts on that trade, gentlemen? So I, uh, I really like the trade. Um, in previous podcasts, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys know, I was a huge defender of Kapanen. Um, I always said that if they had to choose one of Kapanen or Janssen to trade, um, I always said that you had to move Janssen just because of your uh, lack of depth on the right side and and I just think that Kapanen was younger, uh, better hockey player. Um, and I just think that he brought a more unique skill. He played on the penalty kill, um, also a little bit of power play. And you can tell that he did bring that uh, grit that we will talk about later um, in terms of what this team needs. A little bit more bite, a little bit more edge, and a little bit more kind of like an FU attitude. And um, it just seemed to you know what, like once you see what they did 
and what they got back, it, it you really can't argue how it didn't make sense. Like it, it was, it made too much sense to to move him if you're gonna get that uh, that package. He's uh, he's a good hockey player, um, but the fact of the matter is that he was not able to click with any of our top two centermen, uh, especially this year. Uh, and he, you can't be paying someone three and a half or well, I think it was three point two million to just be stuck on the third line and, and be kind of just that North South player and not really think the game at a level that the other group of forwards are thinking at. So like all the power to him, I, I really love him as a player. I'll be cheering for him in Pittsburgh, but um, based off the package, I, I it, it is kind of nice to see what we got back, but although we will miss his personality uh, into the organization, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously a big Kapanen fan. I, I grabbed his jersey last year. Classic me buying a jersey on someone who gets traded a year later. You cursed him. Uh, big history about that. Oh, man. It, it, if you looked at my closet, I have a Kadri <laughs> jersey. I have a Luke Shen jersey. I now have a Kapanen jersey. And I had a Phil Kessel jersey. Gone, 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 gone. Uh-oh. Like, a waste of money. I'm, I'm the epitome of a waste of money. But that's besides the point. Um, obviously I like the deal because I didn't personally think captain would ever be worth a first round pick, um, a top 15 pick, to be honest with you. I didn't see a world where that would have happened, but I guess the Penguins liked him and you know what? It kind of makes sense for them too. Yeah, they get a guy who's probably going to end up playing with Malcolm or Crosby. I can't see why not. And it probably works in that organization. As for Toronto, he just, he just didn't pan out the way they probably thought he was going to. Um, as Anthony said, obviously he's a very good player, but I, I don't know. He, me, but he almost seemed brain dead at times on the ice. There were so many times where I would just sit there and question his hockey IQ. And with the with the players that Toronto has up top, you, you can't have guys making those silly mistakes. You can't have guys skating into the offensive zone and falling down, losing the puck, which he did so often. Little things like that just just almost made it seem like he didn't work here in Toronto. Um, yeah, he did bring a little bit of grit at times when he decided to when he you know when he flipped that switch and decided to go be a gritty forward. Um, but clearly that's not his game to do for 82 straight games. Um, at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, I didn't think he was worth a 15th overall pick. I guess I'm wrong. What do I know? I think it was a great deal for Toronto. It freed up a lot of money in the cap situation. Would I have liked someone else to leave, i.e. Andreas Janssen? Yes, and that's not a knock on him. I just thought that Captain being a penalty killer did bring uh, more of an asset to the Leafs. But at the end of the day, they got a couple of good prospects back. I mean, Evan Rodriguez can play hockey. He's shown that. He was a, almost a 30-point getter, I believe. Nine points. Oh, did we just lose him? Uh, we might have just lost him. We may have just lost Lucas. So I'll, I'll pick up, uh, kind of, you know, drop off uh, my, you know, my thoughts on the trade. Um, I, I always thought over the last year or so, that Kapanen, I just saw a ceiling in his ability. Um, you know, we saw him last year when Nylander was was still negotiating his contract, playing along Matthews, and Kapanen just didn't seem to fit. Um, it just he just he didn't have the ability to um, step up his game, get to that next level. He's a great third line player. It's just at that cap hit, it just didn't make any sense. Um, to to trade him, and I always and, thought that he was going to be a really decent trade um, piece. That I thought the return for him was going to be something decent. Would I have imagined that they would have gotten, you know, a, a really decent number one pick 
and then the uh, the, the Hollander, Philip Hollander or Hellander, and uh, Evan Rodriguez, and 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 the, it's just unbelievable package for him. Um, and it really does allow the least to kind of look at some cheaper options um, further down. You know, as we look at free agency or even in the trade market. Um, but you know, grit's going to be the key theme this off season. And this additional money that we that the Leafs have been able to free up with the Kapanen deal really allows them to address some some needs in the bottom six. And and Pat, just so uh, just to clarify it too, because I, I know you said it, and I and I don't think you mean it like in, in the literal terms. But when when we say that he's a tremendous third line player, we mean that he's a tremendous like maybe not even a tremendous. He was a he was a good third line player this year. He was a tremendous third line player in eighteen nineteen season, but that's specifically to this team. That doesn't mean that he can't find his way uh in an organization like Pittsburgh, um playing beside Sidney Crosby, who I think can maybe keep him a little bit more accountable. Um and if you follow Cappy on social media, you know that he's like he likes to live that kind of like big big lifestyle in terms of uh, being out there and and there's nothing wrong with that, but he likes to talk. He likes to talk the talk a lot, and and just sometimes I think that he he just wasn't able to walk the walk. Scored some very big goals for this team, but like it's clear that the team didn't had its issues with him, uh, especially this season. Like remember, he did get benched or or like like he got a suspension by the team uh, this this uh, past season for missing practice and. And if you notice, and it was very subtle when when Keith announced the the suspension, but he said this what it was an ongoing thing. So if the, if it, I'm sure that he wouldn't have got suspended if it was just a one off. But I'm I think that behind the scenes they were they they saw an end to Kapanen's career in Toronto way before the, even the rumors came out that they were looking to trade him. And I think that Dubis kind of he waited for the right package. And and he got it like this. Phil, I think what's understated in this deal is is a guy like Philip Hollander. Like I think the fifteenth overall pick, we might not see we might not see the uh, see who the Leafs get if they do uh, pick. We might not see uh, the fruition of that pick for a couple years, or they trade it and then you see what they do. But we can get into that later. But like this this Hollander guy, I think drafted twenty eighteen. Um, if you read up, I have read some articles on him that the Leafs were high on him at the draft. They were going to draft him, um, but they took Sean Dersey, who actually ended up being in the package that got him, Jake Muzzin. Uh, so they definitely scouted him quite significantly in his draft year, so they must have been following him uh, for the past two years. So you know Dubas has done his homework, and that that means – and and I – and. And that means that he he feels confident making this move, and it and it just seems like he's kind of a throw-in, but he could really turn out to be a deal like a, uh, like a an elevator in this deal. And like the thing I keep hearing about him that gets me really excited is like flexibility, versatility, dynamic. Like he is able to play up and down the lineup, and that's exactly what we need. And frankly, it's exactly what Captain couldn't do. Yeah, in this team, he couldn't. He he was stuck on the third line on this team. He couldn't play with Tavares or Mar- uh, Tavares oh, or Matthews, right? So if this Hollander guy can turn out to make the team 
if not this uh, coming season, the season after that, um, I think he's like a sub $800,000 contract. Like that's huge. So all the power to Dubas for making this deal and best wishes to Cappy. Most definitely. And yeah, Lucas, it really makes back? you wonder why Kapitan couldn't. Yeah, it really makes you wonder why Kapitan couldn't play on on the top six. Like he, he doesn't think he doesn't the game, think the so. game he doesn't think the game fast enough. Think, and frankly, oh, and I know that was evident. It's tough to say though, because you're when you're just watching, it's tough to say what's going on in his mind. But he doesn't think at a high enough level to either uh, get the puck to the better player or get into a spot where the best player can get him the puck. For example, uh, and maybe he could turn into the, this uh, in Pittsburgh, but uh, Chris Kunitz made the Olympic team by being able to play with Sidney Crosby, right? Yeah. Sidney Crosby thinks the game at the highest level in the, in, that we've seen in a very long time. Chris Kunitz was able to think at a level that he can get into spots where Crosby can get him the puck. Math, yeah. uh, Matthews and Tavares are similar in the sense that they're very high-level players, but they are shooters, right? They're the guys that need to get the puck in uh, high-danger situations. So if you don't have, if you're not putting them with players that can get them the puck in those situations, they become immediately less effective. So Kapanen was not smart enough to find those passes, right? Like how many times did he blow up the right wall, and he would stop up and look for a trailing pass? Like it's just not. It, yeah, it was it was too predictable. Like it just couldn't it couldn't work. He had speed to burn, but I just there's just so many mental lapses that I don't know if his brain could ever catch up to his feet on a lot of different plays. Exactly. Like it's it's just I, and it boggled my mind because like you could see the potential. It just for whatever reason, maybe it was a lot of the off ice distractions. Maybe that kept his mind away from the play. Like who knows what goes on in a player's mind? Um, because they're human, you know they have outside distractions as the rest of us. Um, but there's there was definitely a you know a cap at where he was going to end up. You know at. Um, and speaking of cap. Um, you know, almost immediately after, you know, the Kapanen trade, then we started, then Elliot Freeman and others reported, you know, Frederick Anderson's name out there in, in trade rumors. Um, gentlemen, you know, what were your early thoughts when you saw his name being bantied about? And, you know, what's the plus or minuses of, of making such a significant move in goal? Luke, you want to go first? Yeah, I can take it. I, listen, I've I've always been an Anderson advocate. I'm, I'm a big Anderson guy, and to be honest with you, I've always given Toronto goalies the the benefit of the doubt solely because they just never have defense in front of them. Um, and I think honestly, a very good example would be something like what's going on with the Islanders right now. They just they block shots. Their defense is obviously solid. They they allow very minimal shots on net. So the goalie doesn't have to be that great to make 15 to 17 saves every night. I'm uh, not saying Grice and Varlamov aren't good, but how how much better is Varlamov than Anderson? How much better is Grice than Anderson? Uh, to me, when you're allowing 40 shots a game, you have to be on, you have to be standing on your head almost every single night. And I think Anderson did show that throughout the regular season. Um, unfortunately, in the playoffs, it seems like he didn't do that, which I also think is a myth, considering he had a a 0.936 save percentage and allowed under two goals a game. In the playoffs, if you can't score, you're not going to win very many games because you only need one to win. And realistically, Columbus showed that this year that you only need one to win. And I get the whole, you know, Columbus's goalies, Corpus Allo stood on his head and they, they, he stole games and uh, Cascasulo stole games for Columbus. And I completely understand that. But at the end of the day, Toronto did get shut out many times, at, at twice if I'm not mistaken. And there's only so much Anderson can do. 
and it sucks that he takes the blame. And it just seems like all Toronto goalies take the blame. Because look at Ryan Marauder did pretty well in Carolina once he got to uh, a little bit of a better defenseman there. But I don't know. I just I just find it ironic that Toronto's goalies always tend to be the scapegoat. And then you look at the defense, you look at how many shots they're giving up on the regular, how many you know high high danger scoring chances they're giving up. And at some point, it's like, what is he supposed to do? How how is he supposed to make you know 40, 40 saves a night every single night? Um, and at the end of the day, like I really do like Anderson, and I think no matter where he goes, he's going to be the same consistent goalie because he's shown that throughout his career that he's he's relatively consistent. Um, and it just sucks that Toronto's going to chase him out because of a couple bad. I wouldn't even call it bad. You can't even call his playoff performances bad. A couple unfortunate playoff bounces, you know, that didn't really go his way. Yeah, um, I, I I agree, Luke. And I'm just going to echo a few stats here. And I want you guys to give me your answer. Um, it might be rhetorical based off the, the main topic here. But just because you brought up these stats, uh, your th- those stats on his numbers in the playoffs, I want to talk about the regular season for a second. Because as much as we can say about the playoffs, they're very small sample sizes still. Like um, he's played six, he played six games his first year in the playoffs as a Leaf. Uh, about two uh, seven-game series with Boston. So right there, he's at 20, and then a five-game uh, series here. So he's played 25 playoff games uh, as, as a Toronto Maple Leaf. So in the grand scheme of things, it's, uh, it, it, it's a large enough sample size to evaluate his playoff performance, of course. But is when you look at it as a whole and you look at the regular season, okay, um, because of uh, – I'm getting these stats from natural uh, uh, stat trick for a second here. So – the first season as a Leaf, uh, which was 16-17 to 2018-19, because that's a, that's the largest period of time that you can compile here on, on Natural Stat Trick. Mm-hmm. Guess who was the goalie that faced the highest amount of expected uh, goals against? So, obviously, basically high danger chances against. Any guess? Which <laughs> goalie? Anderson. <laughs> By a large amount. Okay. So, uh, well, actually, him and John Gibson were very close for two, and then it was a, a little bit of a drop-off. This last year, he was fifth in the league. And when you look at the shots against, you look at the games played, you look at the minutes. Like, these are microstats. But then when Wait, you look was at that fifth most? Fifth most expected okay. goals against this season. So that, that includes the Keefe era. So anyone who wants to blame the way Babcock had the, the playing defense, like it is a problem just with the personnel on this team. Now it's not just the coaching. So, and when I say personnel, I mean like the, the, the players defensively speaking, like this team has not committed to a defensive structure that insulates their goalie. You look at the Islanders right now, that's a team that commits to a defensive structure. Now they don't have like, we're not going to go down about what the future of the Islanders looks like, but they have done a lot with not a very good, like very good lineup in terms of name brand value. They just commit. So can you imagine what this team would be able to do with a goalie like Frederick Anderson, who doesn't make an exceptionally large amount of money. He makes $5 million. Like he's, he's not Henrik Lundqvist at 7 million. He's not Carey Price at 10 million. He's making $5 million. And this team is basically throwing them out to the wolves in terms of the, the shots against in the, in the regular season. And did he have a down year this year? Yeah. But to me, it's almost like playing with fire. Like eventually, like you just, you, you keep uh, not insulating this guy with structural defense and, and he was bound to break down. 
Now his game, his elimination record. I think he's zero eight in elimination games. Like that's bad. Like like it it it's bad, and that dates back to his days in Anaheim. Like you can you can definitely say that he's let in goals at a very very poor time. Like that goal. I think it was uh, Foodie in Game Five when he scored yeah, that, that like, like on like on the on the short side. Like you yeah. you know what it that can't go in, and it and it can't. Like it, it really, it, it it's yeah. a back. It's a backbreaker. Made there though. Okay, there's but really it's let, let's. There. There, there's there. I don't think there's an argument to be made that it's a backbreaker. I'm not going to say it's not his fault because that change was a out like a house league change. Like I don't know what the hell Justin Hall was thinking there. Like you can, there's blame to be put around, but to put this the blame on Anderson for this season, I think is very very dangerous, um, because the grass is not always greener on the other side. I don't know if they're going to find a goalie for cheaper than Anderson and get the same quality of goaltending that that Anderson could bring. So I think we talked about this earlier. Unless they're going to find a goalie that can sum up with Jack Campbell's salary um, and they could platoon them in terms of like each split the games, 42 and 42, and, they can, and they're confident that they're going to get good goaltending, Okay, then you then you listen to the trade offers and see what he can get you. But if you're not confident in that, wouldn't it be nice to just still have your five million dollar goalie who you know can play fifty five games? And even if you want to scale it back a little bit and give him more rest and give Jack Campbell an opportunity, you have that now. Like before, like we forget, guys. Jack Campbell only played six games for the Leafs. Yeah, you haven't seen really you haven't Campbell seen size. you haven't seen that tandem yeah. yet. You haven't seen them. Uh, like take on a full season together yet. Like you were, you were, uh, there was points in the season where they were had to play. They were looking to play Freddie back to back because freaking Michael Hutchinson's in that. Like, you know what I mean? Like Dubas did not insulate his goalie well enough. It's, it's, it's a shame that he's getting all this bad take. I'd like to know your, uh, your thought on this Pat as well. Cause I know you're pretty passionate as well on this. Yeah. So Freddie for me has always been, I've always defended him. Um, I've always believed in his skill. I find what kills me at times is the mental lapses. And it's the inopportune goals that I think is becoming a storyline, even though in the maybe in the larger grand scheme of things, it really shouldn't. But I just found that there were games where, you know, one additional save, who knows what it would have meant. Like that, that short side goal in game five, you know, like you save that and does that, change the dynamic in the game like it's it's hard to tell and it becomes a very easy storyline and it becomes it's great for media fodder when you go you know you turn on your your tsn 1050s and so on and you know and that's all they talk about um but i think that there's something to be said about having the up having a goalie that can steal you and i'm not even expecting him to steal around because that's impossible but if he could steal you a game you know, especially when it matters the most. Um, you know, even bar numbers and bar shots on net. Um, like, like if you look at even like St. Louis last year, like Bennington, there were games where, you know, he stole on, you know, and Pitt and St. Louis had a solid defense and there were still games and, and, and stuff where there were lapses in their play. I agree with and that. I, Bennington won. If you look at, if you look back at it and you think, if you guys remember watching game seven last year in the cup final, Biddington single-handedly won St. Louis Game Seven in Boston. 
Like that first period, it was an onslaught. It should have been three or four or nothing Boston. And Bennington and, and Bennington weathered the storm. And and I think that's the main difference. And I think that if if you know if we can get Freddie some additional support on defense, if the team, you know, with another year of maturity realizes that, you know, they should be focusing on the defensive side of the game more, because they'll get their offensive chances. They're they're the Leafs forwards are far too skilled. It, it, it's really learning that defensive side of the game that is going to make the difference, um, you know, from being just everyone keeps talking about is this the year, is this the year, to actually making it the year. I agree, Pat. Um, I, I especially like what you said about just when the odds are stacked against the goalie in terms of, like, the shots, the high-danger chances, everything. Do you have faith in Anderson to steal the game and just like and ba- and pull a Thatcher Demko to give a recent example where Vancouver had no business taking Vegas to Game Seven and and the goalie just absolutely stands on his head. But um, they lost. They lost. Okay, yeah, you're right, but you know they didn't that score and they lost. And yeah. That that would be my biggest takeaway. Like, okay, you're right, Demko did play unbelievable, but guess what? They lost. You You're still right. have to score goals. It's a, it's a fickle thing, man. Like goal is a fickle thing. Yeah, goaltending is a fickle. Goaltender, goaltending is a different. It's a different monster to itself. It's, it's voodoo, though. Like you, you don't. It, it, it's so random in the in the sense that, like, yes, you can be really good for large amounts of time in the game, and then just you let in one weak goal, and and it is on you. Like it, it is on you to make that last save. Now. There's a there's a there's a different thing to be said, Luke. Like you're saying about goal support. Like, do I think Anderson lost the Leafs the Columbus series? No, um, but I think that's a separate issue than um, discussing whether you bring him back or not. Because if there is a if because at that point you have to think of it down the line, right? Let's let's say for the sake of argument, they do trade Anderson for whatever it, that package is, and they bring in a goalie like I don't know. Uh, not, I don't want to say Cam Talbot, but let, let's just say best case God, scenario, no. they can get something like Robin Leonard playing in Vegas right now. I don't think Vegas is going to move him, but let's just say he hits free agency and, or whatever, right? You get Robin Leonard or, or uh, I know Dubas likes Matt Murray and they platoon Matt Murray with Jack Campbell, right? Like, do I think Matt Murray's a better goalie than Frederick Anderson? Do I, or Jack Campbell better than Frederick Anderson? No. Do I think together can they provide better goaltending than Frederick Anderson did this past season? Yes. But then at that Why? point, because I just think that you have to factor in that they're not going to be playing 60 games like Freddie was. Freddie was expected to play 60 games because he had Garrett Sparks and Michael Hutchinson, who are probably the two worst backup goalies that this organization has had in the last 20 years. And he, they, he, he knew that he was their only option. It's a, it's a mental thing, right? Like when you know that you're the only option, you're this team's saving grace. There's no, if you get shelled, there is no one going in the net that's going to win them the game. It's a mental thing. Like I'm just, I, all I'm saying is that when you get to a game seven point, you can play that hot hand. That's how a platoon system works. Um, so I think in that case, that's a, that's a, a point for trading Anderson. But to give you that stability that you're talking about and the fact that this season was not all on him, I agree with that too. But it's ultimately going to be Dubas listening to these trade offers and seeing what he can get for him. 
if he's not if he's only going to get a third round pick for Freddie, then you then you keep him. But I don't think I don't think Freddie has played good enough to warrant Dubis hanging up the phone if someone wants to trade for Freddie. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Like you take the no, call, and you, you take but the call, I, and you listen. But I also don't think he's played bad enough for Dubis to say we need to get him out of. No, I, and I and I don't and I I don't think he's trying to ship. No. I don't think he's like trying. Hey, like he, I don't think he sent an email blast saying, guys, best yeah. offer for Anderson. I'm take. Best offer as of September fifteenth, take and he's on, and he's gone. I don't think that's the case here. I think I get that. I get that. I, I, I just think, don't think there's any goalie, any UFA goalie at least that that I would take over Anderson right now. And 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 I'm being sincere when I say that. Markstrom, maybe anyone else? Not really. Matt Murray, why? 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 Why Matt Murray? Because he's what a million dollars cheaper. Okay, does that make him a better goalie? No, absolutely not. And you you talked about you know platooning both goalies. Why can't Anderson and and Campbell do that this year? It just it doesn't. Yes. It seems like it's it just I seems agree. like it, the media saying that that Anderson has to leave because he didn't make the big save when he had to make the big save. Fine. How about we worry about the defense? How about we score some goals and then we'll see what Anderson does when you know Toronto scores three goals in a game and then they lose four three because Anderson didn't make a save. Yeah, I think I think one plays off the other, and I think the Leafs' lack of offense and depth um, was exposed by Columbus, and it kind of forced Freddie to have to make that additional save. Um, you know, it, it's it's so hard to tell. It's, like hockey is one of these fickle sports, and goaltending is one of those fickle positions that you know when a goalie's really on and a team's winning, we always look at the top end forwards and say, "Oh, look at that beautiful goal." Like goalies are very underappreciated in the sport of hockey, um, and then when 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 shit hits the fan and and a bad goal goes in like it did in Game Five, it's it's definitely amplified. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not advocating the the 100 need for the Leafs and Dubas to make the trade, but you know there there is I think the last I heard there's probably like potentially I think up to 20 goalies that could be changing. You know, changing teams this you know this year because of the flat cap. So I, I think you just have to listen yeah. to the options, see what's available. You know, put some feelers out, see what UFAs might be available. If you think you can land one and and he is better than Freddie, you know, then you maybe you flip Freddie and and you get you know you maybe you look at Edmonton and, and you might package Freddie with something and get a Darnell Nurse you know for that support on defense. You know, trade you know where we know Edmonton's looking for a starting goalie. They have a lot of depth on defense. Flip your strength for their strength and, and then look elsewhere to fill the hole. But the key, I think at this point, the you just have to keep your options open. The, yeah, that I, and I think that's where we need to leave this conversation on is that he, he, you just got to, with like you said it, Pat, like the flat cap, we have not been experienced to this yet. Like we, n- no one... Not even the GMs inside the the bubble per se, in terms of like the bubble of the GMs and the discussions yeah. that they hear. Not even they know how this is going to pan out. You can make a prediction, and the prediction that I would say is that the top end players are still going to get paid like top end players. Maybe slight, you give or take a couple million down because of the percentage of the cap calculation. But that middle group of that middle tier players in every position, they're gonna get squeezed. So they're and, getting squeezed. And and they're getting and squeezed. They're gonna get squeezed. And they're the it there's gonna see you're gonna see a lot of teams have their own internal cap. 
Yeah, they're, they're not going to be. They're not every team, and I'm pretty sure a lo- Pittsburgh has said this already. Dallas Same too. A lot of Boston. Boston, Boston just released it today. You're going to see a lot of owners, and I think Vancouver too. You're going to see a lot of owners. You don't. These owners, they're not just owners of sports teams. They their core business is elsewhere. That was significantly impacted by COVID nineteen. So yeah. there there's going to be budget restrictions. Luckily here in Toronto, we had. Our our owners were probably not probably had a a, a boom in in revenue, um, them being in telecommunications. So I don't think the Leafs are going to have their own internal cap, and I think Dubis is willing to to pry at the carcass of a few of these teams to see. And and at when you combine combine all those factors, you you all you can result and all you can say is just listen, just listen to what what teams yeah. have to say. And then you and then you build your team based off what you hear. You don't go out and and start shopping and start looking weak and with with the other GM saying, "Oh, I gotta move this guy. I gotta move this guy." Yeah. Put yourself in a position where you're dealing from a position of strength, and you can and you can win some trades. And I think and I think when you look back at the Kapanen trade, by setting that high price for what is really a third tier, like a third line player, Dubas is saying now to the rest of the league, "You want." William Nylander, you want such and such a player, it's going to come at a cost, you know? And, and this is probably like, and I know we, 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 we heard it all season, the Leafs cap troubles, cap troubles. It's, it was, I, I, I just found that topic to just grind on me at times because they really weren't in a difficult cap position because the guys that they spent their money on are tradable assets. Nylander, Marner, if for whatever reason Tavares or Matthew, you know what I mean? Like these guys are tradable. Like I'm looking at the New York New York Islanders and a guy like Leo Komarov who's getting paid three million and change. That's not a tradable asset. That for me would be a cap issue. Whereas if you look at contract. the Leafs, that's an anchor contract, right? And I'm looking at the Leafs and they have cap flexibility because who teams would want their cap hits are quite high, but their actual cap dollars already prepaid by the Maple Leafs. So right, if a right. team like Phoenix is looking at maybe acquiring a Nylander to maybe fill in for Taylor Hall if, if he should walk, it's not going to hit them in their books. It's going to hit them on the cap, but not physical dollars going to the player from them. So I, I, I like the way the contracts were, were negotiated. I like the fact that each player on this team is tradable. And I think that that really opens up a lot more conversation, especially in the flat cap era. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing how that bottom six shapes out. Um, and one of the, you know, then that kind of leads into our final topic of the night. And I know it's a big thing because he's a Toronto boy, but um, you know, the, the topic of Wayne Simmons returning, I actually really like the idea. Um, I didn't like it a couple years ago when you know when we we're talking about maybe trading physical assets form or top end prospects or picks but if you could get him on a league minimum contract i think you do it and i don't know what your thoughts are on him but you know if you can get him for like a, a jason spezza type contract for a couple of years sign me up bring the bring the kid home i really like wayne simmons i uh i i i don't think that uh put it this way um i like wayne simmons at a league minimum deal. So I should have I should have prefaced that. Sorry. 
Um, I don't think he is the player that he once was. I don't expect him to be. Um, and that's why I think that uh, when you offer him a $700,000 deal on a one-year uh, stay in the league, play for your hometown team type thing, that's what you're telling him. That you're not, you're, you're not going to say, hey, you're going to play with Matthews, you're going to play with Tavares or whatever. You just got to... You, you just you, you got to offer this is what we can give you. That's what Dubas needs to start saying now is that not like, okay, what works for you in doing this? Like this is what we are willing to give you. It's like take it or leave it because now there's going to be such a, uh, an abundance of other players that Dubas can offer this take it or leave it minimum deal that you could just say, okay, it's not going to work for you. We'll go take it to the next guy. So now you're and, – and, and by doing that – you're going to get guys who want to be Maple Leafs, right? And, and, and by wanting to be Maple Leafs, that just, to me, that shows, like, they're willing to lay it out all on the line, and, they're, and you're not going to see efforts like when they lose 6-1 in Pittsburgh when a rookie goalie's in net. You're not going to see efforts when they lose to the Zamboni driver where they just, you know, oh, I guess we don't have it tonight. Like, you know what I mean? I think Wayne Simmons and maybe a guy like even Corey Perry or stuff like that, like those are the types of guys that when, if they're on, you can win with them in the playoffs. Look at what Tampa Bay did this year. Tampa Bay is a model organization in my opinion. And yeah, they're lucky that they got their star players for a fraction of the price. State tax dollars, all that stuff. We're not going to get into that. But they went out and spent two first round picks on Barclay Goudreau and Blake Coleman. Do I think they're overpaced? Yeah. But guess what, guys? They're six wins away from winning a Stanley Cup. And you go ask John Cooper or Julian Brisebois, the GM of the Lightning, if he gives a shit now that he just gave away two first-round picks for those two guys when he's got his cup ring on his finger. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying don't – I'm not saying he'll give out a first-round pick to go grab, like, a, an overpay. But get guys that are going to – Hold your star players accountable. And by me, when I say accountable, I mean to an, a standard of effort every night. Because if you, you, like Austin Matthews, he is the leader of this team. He's got to drive the bus offensively. He's got to drive the bus.